0: My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, by I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises, and you, our ancestors, put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I... I'm a worm, not a man. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you've been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help.
1: All uh, right, good morning. Hello, check 147. There I am. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> so, that Psalm 22 is written by King David. And if there's ever anybody who was on a critical journey, it would be King David. In this Psalm, he says, From my mother's womb, you have been my God. So here's a guy, apparently, from the very beginning, as soon as he was born, his earliest memory, he knows that there was some connection with God. In another psalm, Psalm 71, it says, since my youth, God, you have taught me. So he starts off right from the very beginning in this knowledge of God, but then when he's a youth, and what, when David was a youth, what was he doing? Yeah, he was a shepherd. So great, great little job, right? As a shepherd, what's he doing? He's learning how to care for sheep, he's learning how to lead sheep, he's learning how to feed sheep, and he's learning how to protect sheep. There's so much training that's going on in David's life. In fact, I love it because David's like, that's where I really learned how to use one of these guys? So I could actually take out lions and I could take out bears, right? So then when the giant came, he's like, I know how to do this. Because he had actually been taught when he was a youth and then he becomes the king of all of Israel and so now God is saying okay David you're ready and now I'm going to produce fruit from your life that my whole nation my chosen people are going to glean from you this is David's journey it's a great journey right unbelievable and then he says in this psalm my God my God why have you forsaken me My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. Anybody relate to that? Okay, now here's what's interesting. So he's asking God these questions, like, hold on here, God, from my mother's womb, you and me. And then while I was a youth, you and me. And then as a king, you are the one who gives me everything I need. He goes, so I don't get it. Why are you not answering me? Why are you forsaking me? And he doesn't get it because in that psalm, he says, you're enthroned as the Holy One. See, David knows this. He knows that God is above all things, and he's great. And he says, you are the one that Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you, they cried out, and they were saved. (laughs) Right? So David's going, hey, when those guys cried out to you, you moved on their behalf. And I think David could even say, hey, and in the past, when I cried out to you, you moved on my behalf. Wait, you're, you're the God who's enthroned over everything. I don't get this. And I want to tell you right now, the fact is, we are all, every single one of us, at some point, if you walk with God, you will find yourself asking him, why? Why? God, what is going on? You're not making any sense to me. Okay, so if you're new, if you've just joined us, ever since Easter, we've been doing a a series here called The Critical Journey. And what we're talking through is we're just saying there are different stages that you go through. When you, on Easter, when Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive sins and then rose again so he could give the Holy Spirit, Okay, so those are two things that happen. As soon as you receive Christ, you receive forgiveness for all your sin, and you receive the Holy Spirit of God. And when that happens, it's just the beginning. And we call it a K2, an adventure with God, baby, because I know, is it not a beautiful day outside today? Man. And it's like, it's days like this, right, where you look and these mountains are majestic and it's beautiful. And when the sky's clear at night and you can see all the stars. And I always, when I look at this creation of God and I realize that what He's saying is, I, when you receive me, I actually come inside you. And I want to tell you, when that happens, you just begin. That's the beginning. And then you go on this crazy journey, okay? So what have we been saying? The first stage after you receive him is like a seed, your roots go down, okay? right? And the first thing that happens is your roots go down into love and to learning. It says you've got to know the love of God. The very first thing the Bible says is crave pure spiritual milk when you're brand new in your faith. So we talked about that. And so in that, that brand new spiritual milk is you've got to get rooted in the love of God, not human love, his love, And you got to get the elementary teachings. And then you start growing up, right? And you kind of move on to the stage of being a child. And at that stage, as, as Derek taught us, that's when you move from the fringe to a family. You finally realize, wow, I'm actually part of something bigger than myself. And you realize there's people around you, and you get connected to each other. And then as that tree grows up and as you grow up, then all of a sudden, last week we talked about the fact is then God will give you a gift, to give to somebody else. You actually, as a tree, produce fruit, and you have something to offer everybody else. Okay? So those are the stages. You start by receiving. You put your roots down. You grow up, and then you become fruitful for everybody else. But now what's the stage we need to talk about today? The title of today's message is Unsettled. And here's what I'm going to tell you. If any of us, and some of you are in this stage, if you decide to follow God. I promise you, okay? I promise you if you follow Jesus Christ, he will absolutely confuse you. (laughs) He will absolutely freak you out. And he will cause you to experience things that are way beyond anything you thought he'd be like, who are you? Where are you? Why are you doing this? Now, why does he do that? Why, Why does God actually come to a place where he confuses us and freaks us out? Okay, if you have your program, open up because our notes are in there and you can fill in the blanks and follow along with me today. Here's why. Because God's ways, everybody, anybody want to say it? God's ways are not your ways. <laughs> okay? So right now, how many of you have your own ways? You all do because you're human. <laughs> and here's what you need to know. So you've got your way of how you're going to do things and then you decide, now I'm going to follow Jesus and he just tells you, I just gotta let you know right now, my ways are not your ways. When that happens, man, there's gonna be some conflict, right? Anybody married?
0: <laughs>
1: Anybody's ways conflict with your spouse's ways, right? Well, when you get connected to Jesus, his ways are not your ways. Look at this Isaiah 55, classic passage. For my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your, neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's fun when you read the poetic, you know, like the Psalms and the poetic language. Man, David many times talks about the heavens and how great God is. You know what's cool is he's looking up there and he's seeing stars and stuff, and so he's thinking, man, that's pretty big. He did not have the scientific knowledge that you and I have today. When God says that his thoughts, that as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You guys know what astrophysicists are telling us, right, these days? See, they're actually figuring out at the very edge of the universe, as far as the heavens are from the earth, you know how far that is? 15.5 billion light years away. So you know what the scriptures are saying? I love it. Here's what Mark Batterson says. He says, "Your best thought on your best day is 15.5 billion light years away from how good and God, good and great God is." <laughs> Think about this. God is saying, "My thoughts are 15.5 billion miles away than yours. My ways are 15.5 billion miles away than yours." And so here's the point. So if you're going to follow a God, he is that much greater than you are. But here's what's great, you guys. He's also good, which means his ways and his thoughts are that much better than yours. To ask you a question, how many of you think your ways are actually better than God's? Okay, you all just lied. <laughs> I mean, seriously, get on your knees and repent right now. (laughs) No, seriously. Okay, well, I'll give you a little grace because I've been saying this a lot lately. There are things I know, right, that I don't actually believe. what would be my guess. My guess is that you know his ways are better than yours, but I'm going to challenge you right now. None of us in this room actually believe it because here's how I can tell you. If you believed it, then you would do everything that God tells you to do. Every word that comes from his mouth, everything he says in scripture, you would actually go, That must be better than my thought. That must be a better way than my way. And how many of you are following everything that God tells you to do in the Bible? Okay, now we have some truth tellers. All right? So now, do you you guys understand this? So we actually think, we know, because we've studied, that God's ways are better than ours, but in practical reality, we actually still think our ways are better. And so this is why we have conflict with God. Now, why does God do this, you guys? Because knowing him is eternal life. The more you know God, the better your life is going to be. So, God is 15.5 billion miles, light years away from from our thoughts. But all He's committed to is helping you take another step and another step and another step because He actually wants you to know who He is. He really wants you to grow more and more in your knowledge of God. You know what's interesting? Um, From my high school days, I always wore glasses, right? So when I got my license at 16 years old, right, went and took the eye exam, boom, boom, or I got to wear glasses. So I'm wearing glasses. When we moved out here to start K2 in 2003, we launched in 2004, I wore glasses all the time. In fact, it's really funny. I look back at the pictures and I go, man, I'm always wearing glasses. What's up with that? Well, about three years into K2, I was getting ready to do a message. And while I was doing the intro like this, I had my glasses in my hand. And then I incidentally looked down at my notes and I'm like, I can see those. So I took my glasses, and I just stuck them in my pocket. And so really, I started never wearing glasses. I still wore them when I was driving. right? I wanted to keep all of you safe. <laughs> so I wore my glasses while I was driving, or if I was a Ute game or something, you know, I wanted to be able to see clearly. But then, about three months ago, I lost my glasses. And so I'm driving around, and I'm like, I can see. And so I literally drove for three months without my glasses. Now, I was a little nervous, right? Because if anything would have happened, <laughs> And then my driver's license says I need corrective lenses, I was a little scared. So I decided I better get some glasses. So I go to the optometrist and I walk in and I take the eye exam and the doctor looks at me and he goes, yeah, you're 2040. He goes, you totally passed a, a vision test at the, at the driver's license place. I'm like, no kidding. So I walk in there, 53 years old, time to renew my license. I take the eye exam and I pass. Wow. wow. Dude, I am just getting better with age. That's, yeah. right? No, but isn't this crazy? I mean, and what's so funny is Susie, she's doing just the opposite, man. It's hilarious. Yeah, she's at that point now where she's got the reading glasses on her head all the time and she, if she wants to read something, she has to hold it out here. I always tease her and stand on the other side of the room. Honey, you want me to hold that for you? You yeah, know, so she can actually see. And, and um, but, it, but it's crazy. Like somehow I'm getting older and I'm seeing better. Can I just tell you right now? That's is God's plan for every one of you. Paul writes in Ephesians 1 and he says this, my prayer is that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so you would know him better. And the God that wants you to know him is 15.5 billion light years greater than your best thought of who he is. Is that not cool? Your best idea of a plan for your life, God is going, mine for you is 15.5 billion light years better than your plan. So here's what's going to happen, okay? Yes, you're going to crave spiritual milk, and you need that. And then you're going to get connected, which is super important. And then you're going to start to produce. But if you keep following, now we're going to talk about, for those of you who've been a Christian for a while. If you follow Christ, he's going to absolutely freak you out. And it unsettles your faith. Your faith will be shaken because the God that you thought you knew is totally different than what you thought. And he better be, right? I mean, seriously, if your little pea brain has God right, he's not a very big, big God. So let's pray right now and let's ask God to enlighten the eyes of our heart so as we walk with him, we'll see him and therefore know him better because the more we know him, the better life we'll have. God, thank you for your desire to reveal yourself to us. And we're just going to confess, even in this moment that we have right now, you are so far beyond our ability to understand, but we're grateful that you are. But thanks for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are here. Thank you for Jesus, who literally again has closed the chasm between heaven and earth, that we can now know you. So Lord, I just pray for everybody that's in here. For you know, you you are intimately involved in every person's journey today. And I just ask that as we look at your word today, that you would make it helpful and profitable. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in your programs, if you look at it, the first point I want to talk about in this, if you keep walking with Jesus, is if you encounter God, encounters with God are actually God-sized. Encounters with God are God-sized. So let's just think about Peter for a second, right? So here's Peter. He's just a fisherman. So he's just a laborer. He's a worker, like many of us in this room. He just, just got a job. And he's a young Jewish man, and this rabbi, there's tons of rabbis, and this rabbi named Jesus says, hey, Peter, come follow me. In that culture, if you were a young Jewish man and a, young, and a rabbi actually called you to follow him, then you left everything, okay? You left your mom and your dad, you left everything, and you followed him, okay? So Peter's like, this will be cool, I'll hang out with Jesus. And then he hangs out with Jesus, and what happens? This guy can actually heal every disease. Okay, that's more God-sized than I thought I was signing up for. And then he casts out demons out of people, like demonic oppression, people whose lives were totally chained. This Jesus, with one word, could totally set them free from any type of oppression. Peter's like, okay, that's kind of God-sized. And then this guy, my rabbi, he actually tells the wind and the waves to stop, and they listen. That's (laughs) God-sized. And then, as he keeps going on with, with, with who he is, he witnesses Jesus die, And then rise again. This is crazy. And then he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's this kind of fearful guy, as they all are. They're all hiding because they just killed Jesus. He's probably going to kill us. But then the Holy Spirit comes, fills him up, and now he's bold. But here's what's interesting. So Peter, his whole life, he's just seen this God that I found is way more than I ever thought he was. His encounters with Jesus were God sized. But then there's a great story. And in your program, I just wrote, it's it's Acts chapter 10. If you actually want to read the story, I'm just going to share it with, with you really quickly. But in this story, Peter's actually up on the roof. And while he's up there, he's praying. And he's praying, he's super hungry. And so he's waiting for the meal to be served. And while he's waiting for the meal, he actually falls into a trance. Now you got to remember this. Peter is a good Jewish boy. And if you're a good Jewish boy, there's stuff you do not eat. You never touch it. You've been ingrained your whole life. This stuff is dirty. It's unclean. You never let it pass your lips. And the Gentiles, those guys, the people outside of the chosen people, you don't hang out with them. Literally, you don't go into their house and you don't eat with them. So this good Jewish boy falls into a trance and here's what it says. This is Acts chapter 10. It says that he saw heaven opened and something like large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners, and it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, what do you think Peter said? Sweet, all right, I've been wanting to eat that stuff. No, that's not what he said. He said, surely not, Lord. Uh, no way, not Nada. He goes, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. So then what has to happen is the vision has to happen again and again so that he can actually realize, hold on a second. What's going on here? Now, here's what Peter didn't know. There was a Gentile guy named Cornelius who was a centurion, and at the same time, he prayed all the time. He was praying to God. He wanted to know God. He was fearful of God. And so he had a vision at the same time. And in this vision, God told him, it's like, hey, an angel told him, listen, your prayers that you pray regularly are gone to God, and the way you care for the poor has gone to God, so he's going to answer your prayer. Get ready. Here's what you need to do. Send a a few men down to Joppa and ask for a man named Peter and have him come to your house. So here's Peter, and I love this. It says, Peter was wondering about the vision. What in the world? And while he was wondering, Cornelius' men showed up to his gate. And then it says, while Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, three men are looking for you. Do not hesitate and go with them. And you know what's so cool? So think about this. Here's Peter. And this is not how it works. This is not the God I know. But guess what? The God he knew also didn't tell waves and winds to stop or rise from the dead or feed 5,000 people. So you know what Peter did? He followed him. The next morning he went with the men and he walked into Cornelius's home and here's what he said. You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me. God has enlightened the eyes of my heart. God is expanding my vision of who he is. A God Sized thing is happening in my heart. And so what's he say? God told me I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So he starts sharing the good news of Jesus and what he did on the cross and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what happens? Here's this Gentile man and his whole family, and they get filled with the Spirit while Peter is talking. And guess what happened? In that moment, this Jewish man who thought that God only loved the chosen people, he blew his tiny little vision away and exploded it and said, no, don't you remember? I told Abraham that he would be a blessing to who? All nations. Can I tell you this? You guys? I'm telling you right now. There are things that you think about God. You have been built a little box. It's kind of like when the transfiguration happened, right? Jesus comes and he's b- b- bright as glory and Peter and James and John are up there and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what's happening. And so Peter again, what's he say? Let me build a tent and let's just hang out here. <laughs> and Jesus literally has to say, shut up, Peter. <laughs> See, because here's what we want to do. When we experience God, we're like, oh, let's put that in a box. <laughs> let's put God in a box so I can understand him. And we like to limit our understanding because we're scared of 15.5 billion light years more of information. That might actually change my life. He might have other ways for me than my safe little way that I've got all in a box. And I love it, man, because God so wants to just take you away. Like we've used this illustration of the seed, right? And some of you, you literally, you've, you've received him. And yes, your roots went down in his love, You've grown in him. It's so cool. And some of you are fruitful. And you love this. And I tell you right now, Jesus is going, and you think I'm done with you? You think I'm done with you? I have a vision. You have no idea that from your one seed, I actually have an orchard in view. I'm telling you, God, when you really encounter God, really, he will give you God-sized revelation of who he is. And it's way beyond you. So here's a second blank. When that happens, encounters with God will shake your faith. They just will. What did Peter say? He said, Absolutely not, Lord. No way. Uh uh, nada. Okay, let's go through a few more stories. (laughs) Hey, Noah, it's a beautiful day outside. Let's build a boat on now. Come on. Think with me here. We've all known the stories. We're like, okay, yeah, you build a boat. Come on. How many of you on this day right here would go out and start building a boat? You wouldn't do it. And then we've got Abraham. Abraham, from your one son, from your one son, I'm going to bless all nations. Abraham has to wait till he's 100 years old. He finally gets his son, and what's God say? Okay, now kill him. Okay. Your ways are not my ways, God. (laughs) Your thoughts are not my thoughts. What are you doing? Moses, quit shepherding these sheep. I actually am calling you to go to the most powerful man in the nation and tell him to let my people go. What's Moses say? uh uh-uh, not a, uh, wrong guy. <laughs> God, your ways are not my ways. And then Gideon, right? Hey, Gideon, I know your clan is the least, and you're the weakest in that clan. I know, you're like the lowest of the totem pole you're my guy. Mighty warrior. Let's go. What does Gideon say? You got the wrong guy. (laughs) Come on. How many of you have ever had God say something to you and you've been like, no way. Uh Uh-uh. Here now it gets really tricky. I think God may have even struggled with this one. Mary, Mary, just got to let you know something kind of weird going to happen to you. You You literally are going to get pregnant with never having any sexual intercourse. That's kind of weird. And you're going to be the mother of my son. Crazy. Saul, you're murdering Christians. Get ready, because you're going to become one of them. You guys, you see what God does? So when God, this God who's so far beyond you, who has ways, in other words, he has plans for your life, when he gives them to you, they will freak you out. Now let me show you, there's two main ways. Here's the first. At some point, if you're following God, if you're following Jesus Christ, he will ask you to do something that goes against everything you hold on to and that you understand. Can I say that again? If you follow Christ... At some point, he is going to ask you to do something that goes far beyond anything that you would ever consider. Why? Because your ways are not his ways. Now, I remember, man, I gave my life to Christ when I was 19, and I was super geeked, and I wanted to follow him. And I've shared this story before, but many are new. And there was a time in my life where I'm just like, man, God, I want to do great things for you. Anybody else have ever been like that? I want to do great things for you. Why aren't you doing great things with my life? And I'm kind of moaning to God. So I go up and I take this walk on this golf course and I'm having this conversation. I want you to do great things with me. This is one of my rarest moments I ever had with him. Literally, I felt like he stopped me in my tracks and I felt like each foot weighed about 1,000 pounds. And here's what I felt like God said to me. Hey, David, would you go to the depths of Columbia? Now, for you guys who don't know, I'm an 80s child. Do you guys remember the communists? <laughs> Okay, how many of you were scared of the communists in the 80s, right? I mean, it was like this big fearful thing. Colombia was a totally communist infested country. And I just heard about a missionary who was in the depths of the jungles of Colombia just so he could translate the word of God to that group of people so they'd know who he was. And the communist soldiers came down on their flatbed boats to kill him and his family. And then I'm standing on this thing, and God goes, Would you go to Colombia for me? with no wife, nobody. And I remember standing there, and it's so funny, it's it's not like you can go, oh, sure, God, I'll go. (laughs) You can't do that. And I just remember having to tell God, there ain't no way. There's no way I would do that. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, see, David, you want to do great things for me, but I don't have you. At some point, God is going to ask you to do something that is beyond your ability to say yes to, that freaks you out, and that scares you. And I'll never forget, I sat, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of led me through this thought process, and I imagined God saying, you know what? There's a group of people in the depths of this jungle in Colombia that I love, and they don't know about me. I'm going to create David Michael Nelson. I'm going to have him be the son of Edith Joanne Nelson and Kenneth Eugene Nelson. He's going to live in Lapeer, Michigan. He's going to go to Trinity United Methodist Church. And when he's 11 years old, he's going to be at a concert And I'm going to have this guy who I don't even know and I can't wait to say thanks to him in heaven one day. I'm going to have this leader of this band actually share the gospel and David, I'm going to call him to myself because I need somebody who will go to Columbia for me to let these people know. And I remember I just stood there, thousand pound feet, can't move. And I just thought, if that's why I'm here, if that's literally why he created me and that's his purpose for me on this planet, then I have to say yes. If I don't say yes, I'll never find my life. I'll always be searching for why I'm here. And as soon as I said I'd go, and I knew I would, I was free. You know what was crazy? I tried to go on mission trips (laughs) after that because that's what I'm supposed to do. And every time I tried to go on a mission trip, I couldn't go. And what I realized was God didn't want me to go to Columbia. He just wanted to know if he had me. He actually wanted me to go to Salt Lake City. (laughs) Way worse than communist infested Columbia. No, no, seriously. Can I just, I'm going to tell you guys something right now. I would never choose to go to Columbia. What is God asking you to do that you're saying, I will never do that? I can't do it. I can't do it, God. You know, another one for me was I had struggled with my dad growing up. He loved me, but he was one of those hardworking guys that just took care of the family, but just as far as intimacy and relationship, it just wasn't there for me. And so I felt this constant tension with my dad, just hurt because I didn't feel loved and all that kind of stuff. And and I'll tell you, man, I I met with a guy, a friend of mine who's a counselor, and he just told me one day, he's like, David, he goes, you got to talk to your dad. And I just remember going, there ain't no way. There's no way. That scared the crap out of me. And so for five years, Five years. Every time I sat like you guys <laughs> and I came to church and I would listen to a message, I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit would just say, David, you have to actually reconcile with your dad. You got to reconcile with your dad. And I kept saying, uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. Five years I said no to him. Finally, he wouldn't leave me alone. So, can I, here's, I'm going to tell you right now here's what you do when God is asking you to do something that you don't want to do, or that you can't do. You tell him. You just get super honest with him, and you just say, God, I can't do this. And then you ask him for help. God, I can't do this, but then I said, but I want to, I want to do what you want me to do. I just can't do it. And then I just asked him, would you help me? Would you help me? And I'm telling you, it was unbelievable how God gave me grace to help to see things from a totally different perspective. And I'll never forget, the morning came for me to go talk with my dad. And I hopped in the shower, and I'll never forget, I'm shampooing my hair, and I'm like, where's my fear? It was gone. (laughs) Literally, I had no fear. God, he never did that for me until the morning I actually was going to step out. As soon as I was going to step out in faith... God gave me all the grace I needed. And you know the craziest thing was? Ever since that day, my dad and I have been totally reconciled. And I have a relationship with him now. You guys, you know what happened? When I said I'd go to Columbia, you know what God said? Oh my God, this dude will actually do anything I want him to do. So then you know what happened? I found my life. Jesus said, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose it for me, you found it. I found, I found the fullness of why I'm here. Have you found that? If you're walking with Christ, he's going to ask you to do something that's so far beyond you and you don't want to do it. And on the other side is your life. On the other side of that step of obedience is reconciliation with someone you love. I don't know what it is for you, but I know this. God is 15.5 billion miles ahead of you and his greatness and his goodness. And when he asks you to take a step of faith, yes, it's scary, it's scary, it's scary. And then right on the other side is your life because he's good. So, are you shaking right now? Here's what I know. Some of you in here, God's been asking you to do something. And you've been saying no, no, uh uh-uh, nada, can't do it. And I'm hoping today would be the day where you would realize, even though I'm shaking in my faith, on the other side is God's glory for your life. Now, a little bit shorter, but here's the other thing that's happening. Sometimes it's not God asking you to do something. Sometimes things are actually being done to you. And some of you right now, you're going through stuff right now, and life is not fair, and it's painful. People have hurt you. Your health is bad. Or maybe something's happened to your wife or your husband or your kids, your job. In other words, and you've been walking with God, and you're like, like, wait a second, God, like, I've been following you, and I've been faithful to you, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to church, and I'm being a good person, and I'm, I'm doing what you want me to say. Why are these bad things happening to me? See, what's really great, you guys, is that was David. David's like, from my mother's womb, man. And then I was faithful as a kid, and you made me the king. Do you guys know what happened? As soon as God anointed Dave to be the king, what happened? The present king, Saul, sought to kill him. And David had to run for years in exile. Now, don't miss this. How many of you, if God said, You're my man, you're my woman, I love you, you're my chosen one, and as soon as you're like, Okay, cool, and then someone started coming after your life and you had to run and hide for three years, how many of you would be going, Praise God, He's so faithful? No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You would be going, Who in the world is this God? Your faith would be shaken. And I just want to tell you, some of you, your faith is being shaken right now. I know that. In my 14 years at K2, my faith has been shaken more than the whole rest of my life. Early on here, we had a situation rise up and it was really weird. I thought I was handling it well. I kind of rose up and I was leading. I was taking charge and I was moving in. I thought I was caring. And at the apex of the intensity of it, All of a sudden, I snapped. I literally snapped. I I still don't know what happened to me. But I found myself like on the ground, on the floor in my office. And I immediately, I was so scared because I didn't know what was going on. I called Susie right away, my wife. And thank God she was pretty close and she did a U-turn and came immediately. Kyle Kugler, who's right over here, I called Kyle and a couple other guys and I said, I need help. I need help because I don't know what's going on. And I can't tell you guys. All of a sudden, there was such gripping fear that filled my life. And what was the strangest thing is i like, wait a second, I walk with God. I trust Jesus. I'm actually a pastor now. I'm supposed to have something together, right? <laughs> and, and, and here's what I want to tell you. What was true was, yes, David, here's what God was saying, because his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than mine. What he was saying is, yes, in this way and in this way and in this way you trust me, but guess what, David? In this way, you don't. So I went to exercise faith that I didn't possess, and I didn't even know that I didn't possess it. And so you know what God's gonna do? At some time, he's actually gonna go ahead and lead you into situations that freak you out. And you're going to be afraid because God knows that there's areas right now where you don't trust him. And his ways are higher than your ways. And he wants to take you more and more into the knowledge of him. I needed to learn and grow that God is even greater than I believe that he is. Anybody else need to grow in that way? The answer is yes, we do. When you encounter God, he's going to shake your faith. Now listen to this. Here's a third one. So when you encounter God, it's gonna require faith. So I'm gonna ask, or we have a string quartet, you guys come on out. And I'm gonna ask Daniel Pimentel to come out. And we have a song that I want you to sit with here for a second. It's, it's, this song, these words I know are gonna hit, if you've been following this message at all, these words are gonna hit you, okay? So here's what happens. Some of us, some of us, I have been, remember I was stuck for five years Because I couldn't do what God wanted me to do. Some of you have been stuck like this. And here's what I want you to do while they play the song and Daniel sings. I want you to sit. Maybe you even take your program and a pen and just start writing down what is that thing God's asking you to do that's freaking you out? How is God freaking you out? And maybe you need to write down God, this situation I'm in makes no sense to me. I don't know who you are anymore. I'm doubting you, I'm questioning you. The God that I thought you were, you're not even that God anymore. And just listen to this, soak it in, and reflect on this, okay? And let's take this moment, and then I'll come up and I'll close.